This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouse and South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Josh Bagrianski. And across from me, Mr. Sam Franco, the trio, back again, ready to give you the podcast of your lives. Am I selling this too much? I don't know. I mean, we haven't been the three of us together in a long time. I mean, in terms of uh, doing the show, I know I did radio last week, but uh, had some car trouble. Couldn't make this show. Yeah, you had a flat tire. Yeah, it wasn't good. Not great. No. Josh, how are you? How was Labor Day weekend? Uh, Labor Day weekend was good. I uh, Arsenal won, didn't I, they? Arsenal drew. Oh, it was a draw. Uh, in a horrifyingly stressful match, <laughs> although fun for the neutral, I'm sure. Um, but no, it was good, man. It's funny how like you get an extra week, like one extra day, and you come back Tuesday, and you're like, "What is this responsibility and work?" You know, like <laughs> one time, one extra day, and my body thinks this is the new can normal. I, can I tell you? I got I, I went to Uruguay and about three days in. I completely forgot I had a job. Completely forgot I had responsibilities. Really? And then I came back, and two weeks didn't seem long enough. Responsibilities are the worst. And I'm not a fan of my job, so that just makes it even worse. So if anyone's got a job out there for me, hit me up. I like how you just Please. dropped that just, on here. I just, that's, I mean, you got to really not like your job to, <laughs> to, to like publicly to, say to, to do something like that, yeah. <laughs> so if anyone out there wants to help me out. Please do. Oh, it's okay. I, I had started to really hate my old job before getting my new job, so it, it's all good, man. You know, sometimes you're in a you're in a rut career-wise, and hopefully you find something similar to what I found because now I get to just push T-shirts like this awesome Ronald Acuna one right here um, that you can get on BreakingT.com. But, yeah, it's great stuff. Well, Atlanta United uh, coming off the weekend, 3-1 losers to the Philadelphia Union in Chester, PA. And, I mean, do we want to dive right into it? Yeah. Do we have anything to... Well, what to, did you guys think? I mean, To beat around the bush with this? To me, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, there's not much to look forward to your international break, so we might as well just unpack the Philly game. It is, it's, it's a, I'm not, I, like, I want to say it's a bad time to lose because you got to kind of to stew on this for, for a while, but at the same time, you just won seven straight. So, yeah, I think, I mean. You were bound to lose one of them. Didn't, and didn't y'all get the feeling that they just. Just ran out of gas. I mean, what, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it just felt like that's the, you know we were saying this on radio earlier. It's like this isn't that big of a deal because it was not your first choice eleven. You know, there was definitely a lot of rotation going on there. Uh, no Barco. Uh, you know, you also had um, uh, Pereira in there. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it was it was definitely a different looking lineup, and I think it was also one of those things where. Um, once you locked in your CONCACAF Champions League spot by winning the Open Cup, now it's all about prioritizing. Like, at this point, is it time for heavy squad rotation? Try to keep yourself maybe in that second spot and, and have healthy legs going into the playoffs? Or do you want to keep, you know, the foot on the gas, try and get that first place spot in the East back? I mean, there's there's just a lot of well, things it, to it, think about. So here's the thing: we I, across all sports, you always hear this conversation play out. And what do the athletes say every time? Unless you've got an insurmountable lead, like LAFC, you could totally see they're not going to give up first place. You could totally right. see them putting you play putting to the, win the game, putting the brakes. Otherwise, hello, you're playing to win the game. You still got something to play for. You're still trying to move up the table. You're still trying to get in the first. And I we talked about it a little bit on the on the radio show, and I sat there, I'm like, ah. One, this is not that kind of team. You think Joseph is going to let off the gas? No, I, I, I didn't get that idea at all. I mean, I think if you look at the that that was your best eleven, more or less available. I mean, obviously you could maybe argue that Franco Escobar could start over Pogba, but Frank DeBoer more or less put his best eleven out there. Plus, you're playing a Philadelphia team that's a huge competitor for the top spot in the East. And then I think you add on top of that the layer the, the fact that the playoffs are single elimination now and I, I mean I think the team ran out of gas but I didn't get the feeling there was a mentality that they took their foot off the gas because they had just won a trophy and I think the effort- Oh no I think I th- but I think Sam's referring to moving forward here toward the end, toward the last mm-hmm. six matches of the season right Yeah yeah it's just like So well, heading into the yeah, playoffs yeah, yeah. do you, do you take the foot off the gas and settle for second place I would, I, I would say absolutely not yeah, I no mean way. I think that, that it's it, it, particularly when you look at 
how good this team is at home, I mean, I think that it's absolutely massive. And I think Philadelphia and New York, two teams that have a huge gap in a home and away form, will feel the same way. I mean, that was more or less a six-pointer. And I thought, I thought Atlanta United... I mean, I, I just thought you run into fatigue issues in the last and they could have won the game. Or so. well, I actually watched, I, I rewatched the match and I sat there thinking, "Oh, good Man, for you, because <laughs> I couldn't really watch it." Finally, the one of you watched. Uh, it. No, but uh, I, I sat there thinking, "Man, they feel like could have been up two nothing before before Joseph yeah. Martinez even gets a look at at the, the goal that he eventually scores." I I I never got the sense that Atlanta United dominated the match the way they have been over the course of these last eight matches or seven matches before that one. And um, I kind of got the sense watching the first 30, 45 minutes. I was like, ah, this might not go Atlanta's way. I still I still felt that. I mean, if you go you back. Still, no, you still saw they had, they had moments. It, but I, I was like, ah, it just seems like this is not that their luck has run out, but like it, they're due for a loss. My feeling in the last five minutes or so was, OK, let's hold out for a draw. It's actually a pretty good result. And if you look at the match, I mean, Atlanta had played well in spells. I thought you came out, you played well, really well. You were the better team the first 15 minutes or so of the second half and in the end from Atlanta United's side you'll go and look at this and you'll say Joseph Martinez missed two chances that he finishes four out of five nine out of ten times I don't know they, no. but a vast majority of the times when you look at the 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 wide open goal that he missed in the second half where it was 1-1 uh, where he's basically there's a mistake in the back he's around the keeper I know it wasn't the easiest angle that he had there, but he had his feet set. you got to finish that. And then he has the header from the set piece in the first half that yeah. flashes wide that we've seen him finish time and time again. So for Atlanta United, I mean, I think you can take positives because you did give a good effort with, 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 with a solid 11, and you still created enough to win that match. And I and you know, to me, if Joseph's going to get those three chances when we play Philadelphia next time, I think you beat him. And I yeah. think even this time, with all the problems you had with the fatigue, at time you had issues defensively, um, I, I'll get into the balance, I think was a little off. Tactically, there are some things that you could learn from this match in terms of what this team needs to work on going forward. But in the end, you still look at that. You say we played eight matches in a month or whatever it was. We had to travel to the West Coast two or three times. We finish it with this huge match with Philly. And you still really had a good chance to win that game or at least get a point out of it. So, I mean, I think it's just a match where you left it all out there and you just completely ran out of gas in the last half hour. I did want to ask Josh, though, because we were talking about this earlier, Eric. It's like, if you look at the extremes, like I, I, like on, on you know the two ends of like the positives and negatives from this game, the obvious positive is that Joseph Martinez continues to be on an all-time tear. I mean, he's got it's un- unbelievable. a goal in 13 straight games. Yeah. Although, I, I did think it was funny, the article that Atlanta United shared, where it's like, he's inching closer to the record, and like the record is like messy with like 21 straight or something. <laughs> and it's like, all right, let's dial it back there. But the fact that you know he's still playing as good a soccer as he's ever played for Atlanta United on current form right now... Um, so that's good. You still got that. Like that. That is something. the The biggest positive to take out of the game is that Joseph Martinez is still Joseph Martinez, and you're still and he's still getting a lot of chances to score. It's funny we sit we sit here and sing Joseph's praises, and we really should. Absolutely. But, but this was a match where he will probably be kicking himself not for having two or three afterwards, and if he does have two or three, you might come out of there with three points. Well, so. that's for sure. But uh, going to the opposite and the the negative extreme, Atlanta United has done this before where the wheels come off and then it just completely falls apart. You know, they they allow the the first goal and then they go down 2 to 1 and then right after that like f- within 5 minutes they're down yeah, 3 less. to 1, yeah. they, probably less than that. So it just seems like this happens but not a th- lot, but, this, but th- I think this. But it's happened before. But this is different. When it happened toward the end of the game, they were chasing the game. They were trying to get the draw at the very least. Um, and you also have the the, the fatigue aspect of it. No, I get that. I'm just saying that this isn't the first time where we've seen Atlanta United kind of fall apart in a match that they could have at least gotten a point out of, and instead everything just... But the thing is that the fatigue aspect didn't play a factor. Now we're talking about the players well, having course. played eight games in a matter of... Yeah, so you know, whatever, I get what you're saying, that it's different this time around, but that that's kind of my point, though. It's like... If that's the biggest thing to worry about from this loss, then you still feel really, really good about things. Because, again, you know, it was a game where Atlanta, going on the road, their road form at times has been kind of like a roller coaster. At the beginning of the year, they were not good on the road. But they, over the month of August, got some pretty impressive road wins, including the one at Portland. 
which is one of the toughest places to play in all of MLS. So I think that there's not a whole lot of cause for concern after the Philly loss, but there's also a little bit of, you know, what exactly is Atlanta United? Does this law is this loss an outlier? Is this loss something where we can say, well, they were tired, they were all this stuff, or is some of that excuse making and there maybe were some real problems? I, just, I didn't really yeah. see anything though. That's the thing. There, there wasn't really any other than like, the, like was, that stretch of about five minutes where they just kind of fell apart there. Yeah. That that was really the only like super negative thing. And you got the feeling it was fatigue more so than a a a, a collapse of sorts. And I would also say, man, Philadelphia are good. I mean, that was one of the big things I took from this match was, I mean, we hear people talk about how MLS is improving and all that. And obviously, you're going to point to your LAFCs and your Atlanta. Everyone's and, waiting for the union and, uh, to, to kind of drop off. Yeah, right. Exactly. That is a really, really, really good team. They're I mean, young. Uh, That's the thing, too. You got young. like an Aronson there. They're, they're good and yeah, young. Yeah, and they're young in the back. And then if, uh, if I, well, if you want to go back and listen, I had a random Philadelphia uh, take in May where no, I said go uh, ahead. I said this team can be really good if they if they add a nine. Go tell you know? them, go tell so, them the exact minute so I, and the episode. I love, you can yeah, you, you can also look through my tweets as well. So just pat myself on the back for being. I was gonna say you didn't hurt your shoulder there patting <laughs> yourself on the back. I did didn't. You? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, but I you know look Philadelphia. You look at them early on and. You're right, Eric. People were expecting them to fall off, and I think a big reason think, for that... I, I think I kind of still am, but go ahead. Yeah? Okay, fair I, enough. I kind of do. Well, I think a big reason for that is they were kind of struggling to find a number nine. I think the uh, the addition of uh, Marco Fab- Fabian is huge. Um, they've always had some ability from the wide positions. You have Bedoya and Medunyanin, who are really, really good holding midfield pairing that they've always had. And then, like Sam just mentioned, you have a really good young back line. All you needed to top that off was a number nine, and man, you got Trebilko up there. I still don't know how to pronounce the guy's name. Whatever, it, he's wreaking havoc, and that looks like a complete team. And the reason we're not super upset, aside from the fatigue aspect of this, and the reason that we're not coming here today and saying, "Oh my God, you fell apart in the last ten minutes," is because Philadelphia were just damn good, and eventually they broke the door down. So that that was the interesting thing that I took. I didn't see all the after this loss, which it, it obviously didn't look like a good loss. It, y- there were moments where Atlanta United didn't play well. It looked like Philadelphia dominated most, I would say the majority of the match, more than 50%. Um, and you didn't have the reaction of Frank DeBoer out, or, or or you didn't have this blame game that the fans typically want to play when it comes to Atlanta United losses. I thought that was actually, it made me, it helped me understand that, okay, well this this fan base at least understands that they're, they're, you, you just played uh, seven matches straight. Uh, this was the eighth in in whatever the last month and a half or whatever the number is. Crazy run. Um, and a loss at some point in this was expected, and so there was that understanding that that okay, well we we can we can live with this one. Mm-hmm. It, it comes at I, what I, what I'm hoping that this loss does because you know Joseph wasn't happy with with, with the chances that he missed. Um, you know that the, the team itself isn't going to make excuses for being tired or anything like that. You know that they they know, they know they understand how important this match was to. To, to go into this international break uh, in the top spot in the East. So what I'm hoping is that this kind of plays itself out to be a lot like what Toronto did, or what, what the Toronto match last year, heading into the playoffs yeah. for Atlanta United, where they kind of propelled themselves after that loss last year into the playoffs and just went on a run. And the thing about that Toronto loss was the team clearly learned something about themselves yeah. that day where Tata Martino said, okay, we... we we can't play wide open, clearly, and you come play off and you see more of that 5-3-2 looking to counter. Now, we know this team's not going to have that same reaction. Right. Frank DeBoer, we're now playing defensively, but I think that there are definitely some things that you can go look back and look at the film and learn from. And one is a big one that we've been talking about, is you are playing two wingbacks right now, and Justin Miriam and, 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 and Julian Gressel, who are attacking, attacking, attacking wingbacks. They're not playing a lot of defense, and that's okay. But that's going to create weaknesses on the wide areas, and if you look at where the you sec- got to score, and yeah. if yeah, right, and if you look at where the second and third uh, goals came from, both of both times uh, players are allowed space in the middle of the field, and the player makes a one- run from a wide position, and those guys aren't able to uh, track him, per- particularly on the third goal, and and that's just the way it is when Atlanta United build up. The right, the outside backs, the wing backs are going to bomb forward, and they're and they're not and they're not going to. To, to, to think about what they're going to do defensively. And what that happens is, as we saw in the third goal, is what happens, Jeff Laurentowitz gets pulled all the way out wide and you're in all kinds of trouble trying to defend. So the ways to fix that 
what Atlanta United did last year was you had Greg Garza as the left wing back, Julian Gressel as the right wing back. So Gressel would just press down the field every single time. And Garza, when needed, would hang back and play as a left back, and then it turns into a back four. The other thing Atlanta United, but that's not going to happen this year because you're playing right. Justin Miram on the left. The other thing Atlanta United did last year they can do this year is Jeff Lorenowitz played as a center defensive mid in front of the back three. So if the wing backs got caught up high, he would drop in as a center back. And then you have two center backs and the right center back and the left center back in the back three turn into your fullbacks, into your right back and left back. So Atlanta United are going to have to look at this film and figure out how they're going to strike that balance because you're, it, we, you finally got to go up with this shape against a, a, a good team on the road, fatigued, you know, really up against it. We saw how it could work against New York, but we saw the other side of it. Um, and I, of course, I'm talking about playing against better opponents. We saw how it could work against LAFC in New York. But we saw how a top opponent can expose you with Philadelphia getting into those wide areas. So Frank DeBoer, you know, you talk about learning from this match, Eric, the way that Land United did with Toronto. I think that's the main place you need to learn is how do we strike a balance with this super attacking formation that plays a back three with wing backs that really are wingers and not outside defenders. And the big thing I look at from this match is because of injuries... Jeff Lorenowitz has to start center back. He can't play in front of the back three, and you end up with Eric Rometty and Darlington Nagby, who are both players who like to go forward into yeah. space. So I look at this, I think Frank DeBoer needs to opt for Jeff Lorenowitz over Eric Rometty going forward in the midfield, provided, provided you have a healthy back three, so he can be the guy to drop in and fill in as that extra defender, and you don't get caught in these tough situations. But either way, that's the main thing you have to learn from this match. How do we strike a balance where we don't end up in these situations where when we do get caught forward, we're not getting gashed in behind time and time again as Philadelphia did in those last 10, 15 minutes? And isn't this a little bit of what, like, you know, <clears throat> we heard this a lot, and uh, you can obviously go to the uh, the Twitter thread uh, or Twitter threads uh, that we're calling Atlanta United, what, uh, lethargic and slow and things hmm. like that, and it's hmm. like, you know what a surprise! Yeah, well. They're slow. <laughs> but I decide. Are y'all still doing that? Well, no. But th- this are we was, still doing this? This was coming from you know MLSsoccer.com.net.blah yeah, okay. dot dot right. blah, blah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I like that. Dot MLS blah, soccer blah. soccer MLS soccer dot com. soccer dot com no, no, dot soccer Major League Soccer Soccer dot com. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's what it is. But that's the thing. They you know talking about Atlanta, and, and this was the one that we saw. Um, you know, a representative of Atlanta United even mixing it up with, I believe it was uh, Warshaw. Uh, from MLS.soccer.net. Uh, um, but uh, this is one of those where, like, you know, the 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 whole, you know, Atlanta United playing slow and lethargic, the lethargic thing. But that was a, a common, you know, fan uh, perception, if you will, uh, earlier in the season of this Frank DeBoer team. But it's like, okay, now that the team is – they're doing what you want. You yeah. know, they're, they're, but it's like – at what cost? And I think the, you know you talk about that with that balance. It's like okay, you can't be over attacking. It's like yes, you want to play this beautiful style where you're going forward, you're doing a lot in the attack, but at the same time, you can't always do that because you know you do have to find that balance, or you'll get caught out yeah. like Atlanta United did twice against Philly. And I think it's not a you know you continue to attack. It's not saying you can't attack. It's just that you need one player in some way to stay back and be able to help those back three. Because three players just isn't enough to cover the entire back line when you're getting countered. Because if that right center back gets pulled to the touch line, there's 30 yards of space in between him and the and the center back for the for an attacker to run into. So, you know, to me, the, to me, the one thing that I learned from this match, just, just to go off what I was saying earlier and what Sam is saying, is Jeff Lorenowitz is your guy in the middle, not Eric Rometty going forward. Yeah. Because just the way that Eric Rometty played, I thought he was very poor in this match. But aside from that, the way that he plays the ball hawk, chasing the ball around, trying to get up forward into attack, that leaves you completely exposed with those back three. And obviously, Darlington Nagby, with the form he's in, you can't bench him, and you know he's going to be the one to go forward. So the way that I think you fix that and find that balance while still being able to play attractive, attacking, aggressive football is you play a player like Jeff Lorenowitz, who's not going to bomb forward from midfield, and then you have the proper cover defensively. See, I'm okay with with I'm not okay with the loss, but considering everything that's happened, I'm okay with how this this match turned out. You give up two late goals. Yeah, I mean, which, it could have been a draw. You, you look at you look at how exactly, and that would have been you know probably the most even outcome you could possibly think of. But you add the fatigue factor for Atlanta United, mm-hmm. and you give up two late goals, and you know that that it, it is what it is. And look, also, Atlanta United wasn't going to go the rest of the season without getting a loss, and so if that one's got to come, sure, make it happen at a point where it's not going to hurt you. It's not. It's not going to leave you in a position where, oh man, now it's a completely uphill or unclimbable battle to get back into into first and east. And so, 
with 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 six matches left. And I'll go ahead and go over. And look at Philadelphia's schedule. Though they're LAFC, oh, tougher, they're yeah. two San Jose. I mean, they have a they have a. I can't imagine there's a team in the entire league that has a difficult fixture list remaining. Than yeah. Them. So you look at the rest of the schedule. Lane United uh, goes to Columbus to face the Columbus Crew. They come back home uh, on the 14th. They face Columbus in Colum- uh, they face Columbus in Columbus. Sorry. Uh, FC Cincinnati comes to Atlanta on the 18th. Then Atlanta flies to San Jose on the 20. Well, to play on the 21st. Then they come home play NYCFC on the 25th. Um, then they got a. Then they play Montreal Impact on the 29th, and then they face the New England Revolution in New England. Montreal's in at home. Foxborough. Montreal's at home. Okay, so it's. What did I say? No, no, I, okay. you just didn't mention whether it's home or away. I'm just interested. So yeah, so you, so um, that's not the easiest run in, but Columbus and Cincinnati, you should walk in there thinking yeah. that you've got a pretty good hold in the match. Those are three point specials. You, you're you're disappointed yeah. if you don't come out of those games with three. Yeah, points. those are those are the two that you're going to look at over the course of this last stretch of the season and think, man, we really should have done better in these moments should they not come away with three points. Eric yeah. doesn't agree with me on the NYCFC thing. I think NYCFC is a game you look at. That oh needs sure, to no, be for three sure. Points too. Yeah. For well, sure. you, you, I just I just don't think that because Atlanta United in recent games has dominated that team, especially at home. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not so, disagreeing with you. Okay. I, I I I just think they're big games. San Jose is, is a big one just because you you got to fly all the way out there and they're <laughs> I, I saw an MLS are the most improved team from last year. San Jose is like, I know. And I'm no, not that, I'm not saying they're not improved. I'm just saying when you had a beer as bad as as last true. year. Anything would have been better than last year. Losing to Chris Wondolowski would just be. <laughs> uh, Montreal Impact are sort of in the same same boat uh, as the Columbus Crew and FC Cincinnati, and New England are kind of on the rise right now. So, you look at you basically three out of three in terms of teams you should beat and teams that are kind of a toss up, and you're hoping you do better than not uh, on teams that are toss up, and you take care of the teams that you should beat, and hopefully you're talking about. I'm thinking fourteen point, uh, thirteen points, no fourteen points, thirteen points. Sorry out of the next 18, does it. Even if it doesn't, that's the goal. Because you got to leave some, some wiggle room just for just, you know for error, for, for, for stupid goals, for stupid mistakes uh, that happen through the course of, of, of a, a stretch of games. You leave that room for error, 13 points to me should, should do it. Does that math even add up? Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't know if it's going to add up until this season. And of course, no. But I'm saying, I'm saying for for the projection for the next six six matches. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I think it, the next two matches are you. You don't have. You really, really need to get six points from this Cincinnati yeah. Columbus match because if you also look at the teams around you. So first of all, yes, you're going to play NYCFC, but they're also playing Philadelphia on the final day of the season. Uh, Philadelphia, meanwhile, they're going to play. I think LAFC in their next match or two. So we expect them to drop points. The teams around you are probably going to drop points uh, over those, or at least one of them, at least NYCFC or. What we're saying is that something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 look, if if you're because because you know what you can easily like. just jump right back over Philly by winning your next two matches. Eric, you flip flopped everything. That, thinking, Chief. thinking that they drop points. Yeah. So um, Columbus is at home. Cincinnati's on the road. Oh, yeah, I bad. thought Columbus San Jose's was at home. at home. Scratch that. NYCFC and Montreal Impact are on the road, and then New England Revolution to close well, that out makes more the sense, regular season. I was wondering why we would play New York at home again. I mean, it's it's still. I mean, when you look at the other two teams, Atlanta does have the. Even though you're playing a lot of those matches on the road, Atlanta do have the easiest run in for sure between. I would agree. Them, with NYCFC, uh, and uh, and of course Philadelphia. I mean, so. you have Montreal, New England. You know, a New York team that. Despite the fact you have to go to the most joke of a stadium in the entire league, um, well, that that won't be that won't be easy. That won't be easy playing on that smaller field. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati away. I mean that that's almost. I'd much rather pay Columbus Crew at home and Cincinnati yeah. away than vice versa. But then you look at so then look at Philadelphia. So you're going. Philadelphia comes back ten days after the national break. They host LAFC. Then they go to 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 New York Red Bulls. To San Jose, uh, to Columbus, that's a layup. And then home to NYCFC. Don't call it a layup, man. Yeah, that's true. Don't I mean, you never, yeah, we'll see what happens with us. Then New York, who have the match don't in te- hand. Don't tempt the dread gun. Have the match in hand, home to New England Revolution, who are super, super dangerous side. I wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs. Then you're home to Toronto FC, home to San Jose. So that's three playoff teams in a row. You go to FC Dallas, who are playing a lot better and probably be fighting for the postseason on Sunday, September 22nd. Then you host Atlanta on the 25th. At New England on the 29th, and then that big match with Philly uh, to finish the season out on October 6th. So you look at those matches between those two teams, Columbus and Cincinnati on Atlanta's schedule, 
uh, aside uh, from the one trip to Columbus that Philadelphia have, that's that is a easy, easy, easily, 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 easily <laughs> the easiest two games. Coming up with new words here. The, easily the easiest two game stretch. Uh, here, so you get six points out of there, and you're probably right back in the driver's seat in the East. See, here's here's what you guys failed to realize. I was I was tricking the Dread God. <laughs> you was, you are sending, him. I was sending the Dread God to Columbus, sending it to Atlanta for Cincinnati, and now you guys have messed it up. And now the Dread God's going to know where these games are being played. You are the Dread God. So if anyone wants to blame anyone for anything. It's these two, these two, these two fools. I think the in front of me. the most ridiculous thing. Don't try to pass the buck on us, Chief. I don't know what you're doing. The most ridiculous thing about Eric trying to pass the buck is that he's trying to say that he's trying to fool the Dread God, who is himself, which of course makes no sense at all. Is it like the Holy Trinity there, like it's where like, you're you're Eric, but you're also the look, Dread it God? It might be me, but if it's me, it's because I'm possessed <laughs> by the Dread God himself. Possessed by the Dread God, whatever it is. His name is Mitch. Do we need to have an exorcism? If. No. Let's not. We'll see. <laughs> so, what, just, get, just give me your prediction. Is Atlanta going to win the one, two, or three? Where does Atlanta finish up? I think in two. The East? Two? I think they finish up inside. I place. think one. I think Atlanta wins the East. What are you with you, Sam? Uh, this one's tough because, again, it goes to what I was talking about earlier. Like, what is Frank DeBoer's mindset in terms of squad rotation for the stretch run? Let's assume, and I think I, why with would, great but, confidence, Atlanta United will go everything they have to get the one seed in the why East. Why would you think they wouldn't? They would let off the gas. I'm not saying lay off the gas I'm because the players that are playing are going to be going full tilt, but I just don't know if he's going to be, you know, one of these coaches because a lot of the time, you know, especially in European soccer, you know, a lot of managers get in their own head. Yeah. I think Rafa Benitez is like the best example of this, of a guy who squad Sam rotated. Sam hates Rafa Benitez. Well, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't no, hate Rafa Benitez. I have, I, I, every, every show with him. I think Rafa Benitez is hilarious because, right. you know, he basically – let Alex Ferguson get into his head and squad rotated right. himself out of a job in Liverpool. Right, he loves to squad rotate. That's what I'm saying. So, like, there are but managers I, like that. Like but then Frank, here's the thing. Do you feel like Frank DeBoer is that guy? No, 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 I don't because, know. No, That's but I think thing. we do know. I think we already have our answer. I don't think he's that guy. Because you just, but we haven't had him as head coach of Atlanta United in a stretch true, run yet, so we don't know. you just went through a stretch of eight matches or whatever it was he where you played. Tilt. Yeah, he and that yeah. includes the Open Cup semifinal and final. That includes trips to the West Coast. That includes... Uh, the huge match against Philadelphia he includes uh, going to Orlando to play your rivals. He did not rotate really a single time throughout that. So I think no, you're, you're right. to me, I think you already have your answer. I think that you're, you're going to, first of all, I think it would be not smart to go for that one seat anyway because of the single elimination wrinkle this year. And I have to be honest. I think so you're it, saying they do need to go for that? Yeah, them. I think they do need, and I think Frank DeBoer has already shown us that he's not the type to really rotate heavily to tinker too much yeah 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 exactly i mean and, and i think he, it would be look, a mistake he's, if he's, he did otherwise. he's found his best 11 now that barco's but well more or less now that barco had, had yeah. sort of came back no the best 11 is easily identifiable. he knows he knows this yeah. we know what this team can look like at full strength so that should as long as we have go into the playoffs at full strength i well into this last six matches at full strength barco gets back everyone's rested ltp misses an extra game everyone should be good to go mm-hmm. everyone should be Firing on all cylinders come, uh, come Columbus, and we should be able to. This team should be able to kind of control its own destiny to an extent. Um, you know, go heading into the playoffs, and once you're in the playoffs, it's kind of a crapshoot. But I, I still think that the the hottest team is going to win. I think who, who, the hottest teams going into the playoffs, regardless of where they where they sit, are going to are gonna, is going to win MLS Cup. Oh, the, the two hottest so? teams are going to yeah, get to the I mean, finals. We'll see. We'll see. I, the East is fascinating. I just think this is a year. I mean, I think that it's, it's easy to say, but th- if you think about it in, in a single elimination tournament, it, it's it's a, it's obviously a lot different. Anything can happen, but there's just something that happens to hot hot teams, sure, where they can just go on runs. But I still think Atlanta that, United was this hot team for for the last seven matches. I would argue that th- though playing single elimination in some ways takes that out of the equation a little bit because if you're hot 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 you could just play great in the first leg at home and then and then go sit park the bus. If you play one match 90 minutes, you got to go win it. So y- See, but, but I think I think the reason I'm I'm confident in what Atlanta United can do in the playoffs is because of what they did in uh, in, in the Open Cup and what they've for done. For Atlanta United, yes. For the for, yeah. uh, uh, Campeones Cup, I, I think that those prove that in those moments they're not going to let it get too big. They're going to treat those moments like finals because essentially they are. Um and they're going to be able to go in there with with the right mindset. That's not the case with with Philly, who's I'm trying to think when the last time they went to the, the playoffs was. Well, they went to the playoffs year. for the first time uh, recently. I mean, was they, it last year? Yeah. So I mean, they're so, not. 
Yeah, I mean, they're new kids on the block for sure. I mean, nobody nobody would have predicted that they would be in this, even a year ago, be in this type of position with this type of squad. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so and I think you saw that already, Eric, with Atlanta United, the, 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 the ability, uh, obviously, the, the U.S. Open Cup run, obviously the Campiones Cup run, that shows you that type of mentality, ability, I know it sounds cliche, but the ability to just do what it, you need to do to survive in advance and go through. And I think you also saw that mentality in some of the league matches where you weren't at your best, the Orlando match, for instance, but you, but you still find a way to get a result. And, and, and that's, that's the way, that's really the way that you go through a single elimination tournament like that, is you're going to have to win a match or two or you're not at your best. Can Philadelphia win a match when they're not at their best? And just compare the Philadelphia match. Philadelphia is the type of team that's going to do so well, and then they're going to get to the playoffs and 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 crash. In the well, it reminds match. me that's of that's how I feel about that, LAFC though. And, 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 uh, well, yeah, it's, it's yeah, but see, LAFC just absolutely crushes, the dominates their opponent. But they don't have the pedigree. This is why I think, and I said this earlier on radio. I'll say it again here. This is why I think if Atlanta United makes MLS Cup final, they're going to be hosting it because LAFC. I just don't see they're this team that has never been in this position before and has to go through this one-off playoff thing. I just don't see it. I see somebody pipping them. If they run into the LA Galaxy, for example, uh, you know, what if Zlatan has a, another all-time Zlatan game? You know, I mean, it just he's been there, you know, just like Joseph Martinez is Orlando's father. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll, let's be honest, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been LAFC. We'll father. see. We'll see with LAFC, but I think going back to Philadelphia, I think if you know teams like that, and we'll see if LAFC ends up like this too, Sam. That, and we saw this with Atlanta United in 2017. When you're high, you're high. When you're low, you're low. And you don't know how to react to those types of situations. Philadelphia, just compare the way they played when they, and I know it was a draw, but compare the way they played when they came to Mercedes-Benz, when they weren't at their best, they looked super lethargic. Atlanta United were pretty poor too, but Philadelphia doesn't offer a ton. And then at home against Atlanta United team that's playing far better than they, than they than they were when they matched up earlier in the season, Philadelphia gets a bit of confidence. They start firing on all cylinders. So you have with teams like that, you tend to have this huge chasm between their good and their bad. And the reason is just because since they're kind of the new kids on the block, they haven't figured out how to win these matches together when uh, maybe they're not at their best. Now, can you figure that out come postseason time? Absolutely. We saw Atlanta United do it in 2018, but sometimes you don't. And that's why teams like Philadelphia despite the fact they do have talent and they've continued to put these good performances together. You, and Eric, you mentioned this earlier, so you're still kind of waiting for the other shoe to fall. And it, to me, it's not because the ability isn't there. It's because how are they going to respond in a single elimination situation when things get difficult? We already know Atlanta United can fight through that type of thing. So I think that's one of the reasons, you know, we talked, Sam, you mentioned earlier, fans not going completely woe is me and and, and right. you know and, and and jumping off a cliff about this match because I think we think we've seen this year and obviously last year that Atlanta United has the ability to win when they're not playing well or when they're up against it. So you still feel good about things going forward even though you lose that match. And they've already shown to you that they can do it with like I said the open cup run and Campiones Cup. We would uh really not be doing ourselves justice if we didn't talk about Joseph Martinez's goal. <clears throat> uh I think one of the best team goals Atlanta United has ever put together. That's the best team goal. To, yeah, I'm, to try, me, that I'm was trying to think of a different one. The, they have the best Joseph goal. The but Tito the best. won against Philadelphia on the same. Do you remember that one building last year where there was a bunch of Tiki Taka oh, build-up yeah. and then Mickey yeah, yeah, yeah. squared across? I thought this one was better. Personally. Oh, for sure. It was, it was Some faster. Some people were was, saying they liked that one more. I can't get over how pretty this one looked. Beautiful. I mean, you got Joseph starting with the ball. He gets it over to Pity. Pity back to Joseph. Joseph to Nagby. Does a spin move while Nagby has the ball. And then, uh, and then Nagby from... back to Joseph. And Joseph And then he does the, the keeper. keeper I mean, too. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it's good. That Is was... it his best goal in Atlanta United shirt? It's the best team goal. If we want to, like, look, you, you can go back to my, my one of my all-time favorites, just because of the angle he had to do it at, was, the was I think, is the third goal against Houston in the first match at... Second match at uh, at Bobby Dodd. You're thinking about Chicago. Chicago. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I would say Houston. The, I know. We've done I don't this know like why. Three, we, three times. I would say Houston. He's brought I have that no goal why. up and he says it's Houston. Um, yeah. But no, that one's one of my favorite. Obviously, uh, uh, him chipping Bendick and, and and the stare back and oh. everything to break the record last year. That was fantastic. I mean, uh, the, he, one of my favorites is the one against uh, Toronto last year. The glancing header off the cross from Tito, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Where I mean, he five holes the keeper, and it just feels like. In that scenario, like when you're doing a diving header like that, 
you don't usually think that you're going to have total control over the shot. You're just kind of diving at it and lunging yeah. at it and getting trying to get ahead to it. I mean, he hit it with the side of his head, glanced it so perfectly that, I mean, it's, it's one of his best finishes. He's so, he's just so deadly in the box. And the funny he thing is. is, like, even though he scored, I think, all but two or three of his goals for Atlanta United in the box, he still scored a ton of pretty goals because his composure is so good where, like, instead of maybe trying to poke that one home against Philadelphia over the weekend— he said, "Okay, I'm going to compose myself. Make the, you know, make Blake, like, Blake look silly. Go around the keeper. You yeah. know, like he still finds a way to do to have some really nice goals. Even the fact most of them come from inside the box. It's not like he's just a poaching striker that's putting stuff in right. from it's inside like, the six. He's not Filippo Inzaghi. No, no. I mean, he, it's like it's like sl- it's like time slows down for him in those moments where he can he can yeah. he." he, he I mean, I I don't I don't understand how he look. He's always there's something to be said about it. So when I say a player in the right position all the time, or a player that seems to be in in perfect positions all the time, there's a difference between like Giazzi Sardes and, and a Joseph Martinez. Yeah. So Giazzi Sardes, oh god, it, it, it's 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 a different kind of luck, <laughs> and <laughs> he's and he's generally not doing it on purpose. It's he just like, happens. It's to like be the there. ball is caroming off Joseph's <laughs> face. Well, yeah, yeah. With Giazzi Sardes, uh, it feels like it's only luck. Whereas with Joseph, Joseph it feels like he it, knows it's it's it's, it's he, he's purposely putting himself. Putting himself in positions to yeah. where he doesn't need that luck, he's creating that moment for himself. And you can see goalkeepers just have no idea what to do with him when he gets one v one. And I know he's missed a couple penalties recently, but it's similar I don't with even that, care, man. where the way that yeah. he he has this thing where he's able to set his feet at the very last second, so he doesn't have to s- decide where he's placing the ball until, until the end. Yeah, so you'll yeah, see. Would, you know what I would so like? You see keepers going down too early because of that, because he doesn't commit to his shot until the very last moment, and keepers guess one way or the other, then they're on their butt, and, and it's an easy to happen. Is that sports science show still a thing? I don't think so. I wanted a sports science episode on Joseph Martinez and how he does the things. I was like, that he I got something Brinkus. I, I don't know what specifically. Which I just, thing? I just want to know how he does the things that he does. That's good science. Like, like, give me, give me the physics between, between like his speed, his body type, like right. how he can jump in the air that much. Like, give me like the the, the biology and the, and the science right. behind how he's able to do the things. And the that he angles does. that he's everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's how he's, he's able impressive. to round every single keeper. Seeming, I, I have seemingly to be real though. I. I'm critical of Joseph from this match. I mean, that was a great game, and obviously I'm not hating on the guy. I mean, he scored 13 straight matches. He's an incredible goal scorer. This is your Tito moment. There are yeah, two, watch it, watch it. There are two opportunities in that match that you expect him to finish, and if he finishes them, you probably win that match, or you at least get a point. So, yeah, the Joseph goal was great. Especially early on. It was you a would great change. team goal. And strikers, this happens with strikers, right? It's all good, right? As long as you're getting chances, you, in the end, you will, you will finish them. But if you take this match in isolation, and you have to point to a few moments, Moments that you would you would expect to have gone differently that would have changed the results. Certainly, the two misses for Joseph Martinez are, are part of that. Well, funny too on Joseph, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about how he rarely scores from outside the box. But yeah, that even one of the better goals he had last season was kind of a one on one, but it was so from so far away that he kind of used the defender, yeah, the Columbus goal, the Columbus goal, he used the defender to screen his attempt kind of yeah. with the finesse shot at the near post to where the keeper couldn't react in time to get to it because Joseph used the defender yeah. to kind of screen the keeper. Yeah. And it's just like... And that's the type of stuff he does. I his mean, instincts, yeah. man. Like, he knows exactly the type of shot he needs to put. Every time he's getting ready to finish, he knows, all right, I need to put power on this, or I need to finesse this. All right, yeah. the, the goal he scored that we couldn't figure out the name of it for. You right. Know? It's like, yeah, there's one from outside the box. I that's mean, that's the, the thing with him is like... He's he's a perfect mix of being super clinical while also being really creative. You know, so so it's 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 tough to predict where he's going to put the ball. Yeah. Like he's super clinical. It's going to end up in the corner usually, but he might bend it around a defender or he might hesitate for a second and put or the keeper on his butt and or go he might around blast him. it into the corner. Yeah, or like he might it. just, you know, I mean there's just no way to predict it, but again, But it's like he does those, the right thing every time. Yeah. Like, but I just like I said, I, you know, if we're going to gush over Joseph Martinez, uh, this is not the match to do it. Uh, <laughs> Even though he scored like maybe the best and that's, goal of and his that's career. And that's what's crazy, right? Is he, is, he, is he scored an amazing goal? Before we move on, because since we're criticizing right now, and we've, we've been mostly positive, um, as we should have been uh, from this match, Eric Rometty is really struggling. 
Yeah. Really, really struggling. I've noticed that over the last Aside couple of Aside from the fact that I think tactically, as I talked about earlier, I think it makes more sense to play Lorenowitz over him just he because kinda seems to step he adds that me. balance. Yeah, Rometty, I mean, if you look at that second goal, terrible giveaway yeah. from him in the middle of the field that enables you to pick that pass out in the first place. And we talk about the wing backs getting caught forward and getting caught out when you counter. That doesn't matter if you're not giving the ball away cheaply, right? Because then you can get back organically. You're, you know, you're not losing the ball in a bad position and getting countered. So Eric Rometty, time and time again, I think has been guilty of losing that ball, and he just doesn't—he doesn't seem to me to have the positional solidity, the consistency on the ball to play that number six position the way that Frank DeBoer wants. I just think he's been really bad over the last month, and it's really hurt the team from a tactical standpoint, from a balance standpoint. And then when you consider you have a guy in Jeff Lorenowitz that can play that same position, but offers you a little more uh, a discipline, I think it's pretty clear what direction you're going forward, and Eric Rometty is going to be coming is, off the bench. Is Jeff the only player that can play that position? Chris currently? McCann. <laughs> the currently what, what on the doing? roster. What are you doing? <laughs> you see how mad Eric What are you doing? But no, Stop it. You're right. I mean, he really Goslin. is... God, you get out, you get out of here. Who? Mine makes more sense. I'm pretty sure. Who? I'm pretty sure that uh, McCann has played a first team game before Goslin has m- more recently. So uh, Goslin has even played first team. Anyways, um, but you know it's interesting, question. right, Sam? I think that's your only out and out six on the roster, and and that's kind of a diminishing player in the modern game anyway. Everyone's a little more box to box. But if you're as attacking as Atlanta United are playing, you have to have that one midfielder that stays back at virtually all times, and that's Jeff Verona. It's not Eric Rometty or Darlington Nagby or Kevin Kras when he gets healthy. You have one player that can play in that spot. Uh, oh, man, where was I going to go next? Did you not think the I – I forget which goal it was. Uh, but did you not think – Are you talking about the one offside? that was offside? Shabilko was offside. You didn't think he was because because the striker. Well, Aronson wasn't offside. Well, Aronson no, but Shabilko was. I feel like he was coming back from an offside position. Well, he was definitely offside, but he. I I feel like Guzan was at least. I don't know if he was purposely trying. Look, he 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 came out. He started to come out, and then he retreated, which is like mistake number one. But he, I feel like he reacted to to Shabilko. even going to the ball. I don't know. I think it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. Okay. I, I think uh, it ultimately doesn't really matter. But yeah. I just thought, man, it's a stretch. How did not be? No, how, how is that not a bigger deal? That's one that if it had been flagged offside, I would have said it's a bad call. But probably they wouldn't be able to reverse it. I think it's one that you stick with the call in the field. And let's be real. We haven't mentioned this yet. Brad Guzan should have saved that. Yeah, Guzan yeah. is starting to worry me a little bit. I, getting, I that's the thing. Like we go, yeah, we go, go back that and forth. I, I feel like the fan base goes back and forth on him. One match keeper, they love right? him, one I match mean, they hate yeah, him. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm like, come on. It's keeper. not his fault that he's they, that the two guys are basically running free behind the entire right, back line. Like, there, there are a lot of efforts I don't, I don't. Yeah, sure. I don't disagree. But the keeper is the last hope. He's not supposed to be the guy. You can tell Eric used to be a goalkeeper. He's not supposed Yeah, exactly. He's not supposed to be the guy that's supposed to to be your 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 absolute hero. Agree, but you got. You, I mean, sure, you want really you want to make poor. good attempts. You want to make good and saves. It hasn't really been mentioned. I mean, it went. He got like megged at the knee. I mean, it was like really a poor attempt from Guzan. I would say that maybe he's anticipating. And at this point, Chabilko's on side. Maybe he's anticipating the square across the I mean, box. Honestly, and that's why he's wrong footed. Unless you've seen two guys come at you like that, you don't know what you're well, talking about. It's almost as bad as <laughs> that's, a, that's a goalkeeper thing to it's say. Almost as bad <laughs> Dude, as, um, I can't even deal with keepers. It was almost as bad as David De Gea getting keepers. beat in the near post by Wilfred Zaha recently. <laughs> well, um, and we have a, our, okay. uh, yeah. So you you got got our, and our Man United reference. You I got to talk about Arsenal. I got, he, asked me, he asked me. I've got the tweet of the night. <laughs> it comes from at Cadesco. Okay. That's What's our up, man, Kevin? Uh, God Hashtag of bread. God of Kevin, bread. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. he uh, he's 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 on Twitter. He's at least to me, he's famous for doing these uncanny breakdowns of things I tweet. He also lets you know that Mourinho is available. Yes. So 106.3 FM is the station that we're on. Also 103.7 FM on the radio side. Sports on the FM X dial every Wednesday. You subtract those two numbers, two point six. Two over six equals one third. Our last score was one to three against Philly. Philly has a famous bell. Bell have lips. Lips are part of mouths. Mouths of the South was against us. They should be called mouths of the North <laughs> or, or mouths of the brotherly love. Oh, wow. So mouths of the brotherly he's not love. just implicating me now. He's implicating both of wow, us. Wow. So we've that gotten pulled into this. And it's, 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 it's a, a gif guy. of the Charlie Day, right? Oh, yeah. Doing the. Uh, the it uh, was uncanny. Always sunny in Philadelphia yeah, thing like where the, he's the, the plotting the crazy. Yeah, he, so, has some, yeah. he has some good ones. I got to give him props because some of these I'm like. 
That's a stretch, say, but my list, goodness, those are awesome. Are, how dare you question our loyalty to the South? Our listeners are wonderfully creative uh, when well, he, they go after Eric, I have to say. He's 100% questioning my loyalty, but now he's implicating you two. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, Well, Eric is a representation of the podcast. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's Sam and I's individual fault. It's just that you are polluting the, one, the one product. Third, one third of the podcast. Yeah, but one third, I mean, one bad apple can pollute the whole bunch, right? So thanks. I don't think he's blaming us. I just think he's saying you're ruining the whole podcast. A bad so. I mean, no big deal. No big deal. I just say you're ruining the podcast. So. Also, I need, no you to, I need you to talk amongst yourself while I find the mean tweet. The one mean tweet that was sent to us. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, I like this. Uh, this in the comments, by the way. Oh, you know what? We've we've started a debate about Guzan here in the YouTube yeah. comments. Uh, I love goalkeeper debates. I Let, do. I do like uh, one checking in here saying uh, I love Guz, but sometimes his soul gets taken. Which is absolutely correct. And I think, I mean, with, with goalkeepers, I mean, I, I don't know anything about goalkeeping. You just got to stop the ball from going in the net. And you accept, goalkeepers are a whole and, new breed. And you, you accept, uh, you know, my kids all that I coach, oh, I want to play goalie. I said, really, you, you don't want to play soccer? You want to stand in the goal and have wow. the ball shot at you while you wear a funky, bright jersey? And if you buy goalkeeper jerseys, it's not a jersey. It's a shirt that's meant to be a different color from the players on the field, okay? Stop buying goalkeeper jerseys. Look Josh stupid. is just butthurt because okay. he's never successfully pulled off a scorpion kiss. Get him, Jessica. <laughs> Get him. I mean, seriously, goalkeeper jerseys, it's not a specific color. It's all They're all bright green or bright blue. It's a shirt meant to contrast the colors of the actual jerseys that the field players are wearing. Stop getting goalkeeper jerseys. Unless you're a goalkeeper, then, then I can live with it. I want goalkeeper jerseys cool. to go back to what they were in the 90s. Now, that's true. If you want to get an old school 90s... <laughs> Like Shaka Hislop uh, yes. keeper jersey, something like yes. that. More power to you. But if you're just walking around with a neon blue thing, like give me a break. No, you need to go back to like the crazy ones from the '90s. Look, as a youth, I like the ones with the uh, the padding over the elbows. Right, you're those walking. Are really, nice. you're walking around with padding on your elbow at the game. Like, what were you gonna die? You know what I used to wear? So this was my this is my setup as a goalkeeper. I used to wear the uh, the uh, the what is it called? The turtleneck uh, Under Armour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I used yeah. to have. Under, I used yeah. to have. It wasn't it was like as, a snood. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily. Oh, the snood. It yeah. wasn't necessarily tie dye, but it was like one of those multicolored goalkeeper shirts. Did have the elbow padding things. I had the biggest gloves you could possibly think of, and then I always wore the pants. And the pants on the side had the little padding. You know, for right. when, when you dove a little too hard. Right, when you dove. Right, exactly. Always needed that padding. Okay. I oh, just, we have <laughs> we have breaking news in the chat. Kevin is listening. Yes. Okay. We were just discussing this. He said, "I agree with Josh." About my take, hashtag blame Eric. So again, Good. this is, Eric, you are reflecting poorly on the entire show. Sam and I are doing our best. We're trying. We come here, we do, you know, 45 seconds to two minutes of research. We're super prepared. <laughs> we come in, and then everyone hates now. It's not blame Eric anymore. Now people are calling us mouths of the north. And now we know it's because of you. It's not because of us. By okay? the way, so he's if, trying to lump yeah, us into it, but we're terrible. guilty by association. We're so, not. We're not just guilty. So, so should I go to SoccerCon and not represent us as part of the podcast? <laughs> I'm Eric, not part of Mouths of the yes, South. Yes. No, I mean you, it, is, it is what it is at this I'm point. I'm Eric of the North. I succeeded, and I'm Eric of the North. <laughs> Eric of the North. <laughs> I will say, if you like, if you want to deep dive and find yourself in a uh, Google hole, just a uh, Google uh, like a vintage goalkeeper shirt. All right. Um, yeah, if you want a proper keeper shirt, get one of the There are plenty 90s. of sweet yeah. So international break coming up. Miles Robinson, obviously a big talking point for the U.S. Men's National Team. Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, U.S. Men's National Team uh, facing uh, Mexico and Uruguay. Big matches considering the opponent and a good opportunity for some of these young guys to really get their name out there, really perform. Um, hopefully we get to see – I really would like to see a full match. I would really like to see him start both games. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see him start – both games get substantial minutes in, in in another. Well, I'd like to start one game, get substantial minutes in another, and see what he uh, can give you. Give him a real run out. Let him sh- let him prove to you that he's not he doesn't belong in the U.S. Men's National Team because I think he's going to prove most people wrong. Yeah. Um, or those that don't believe him, I think all Atlanta United fans think he'd be fantastic. But give him an opportunity to fail. Give him every opportunity to fail because he's the best thing. I think the best young defender. Best young center back in MLS right now, and he could be the future of U.S. Men's National Team in that position. Could, that's for that, as long as he he's wants. Better that's than, not he's better inaccurate. Than he's better than any of these guys playing. I mean, certainly he has the ability to be better than all of them because of his physical attributes. Yeah. I mean, he's what I really want to see is him and John Brooks next to each other. It, perhaps I mean, and he's a guy. We talked about this last week, Eric. Because of his pace, you can pair him with so many center backs that might be a little slower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly, John Brooks is an example, of that. and certainly a lot of American. You center want backs. you want you want John Brooks in there for his physicality, but and his aerial presence. Sure, and Miles Robinson being that that backup speedy guy that you need at well that you would like at center back, um, it can help 
Bale, John Brooks. Look, it's only going to make him. If he can do the same things he's doing with Atlanta United for the U.S. Men's National Team and, and, and bailing out opponents and making himself. Mm-hmm. Not that it's good for the U.S. Men's National Team. But it's going to it's gonna happen. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> not that it's good that he'd be constantly bailing uh, his teammates out, but you do want that to happen. You do want to see those moments where, you know, he, you, he is. Uh, and look, I, I didn't know this until about three, three or four weeks ago, but. Um, I mean, was the only guy that 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 Miles Robinson can get. Uh, no, Miles Robinson was the only guy that I mean, couldn't beat in practice. Yeah, I believe because if he did so beat him, he'd run him down. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so you want to see how that how that pans out over the course of the international. Yeah, I can't stage. wait to see him. You want to see him get enough opportunity and and against two very my, good opponents. My fear is that we're not going to see him at all. And uh, I think that would I, be brutal. I think that would be the the most horrendous mistake considering what the talent you have in the pool. The talent you have in the pool, what you're witnessing week in and week out from this kid, it would be a waste of. of, of I feel like that's half the reason people are yeah, watching. I, At least that's the reason Atlanta United fans are watching. I think oh, most fans, most yeah. U.S. men's national team fans are are seeing Miles Robinson and thinking, "Yes, please." Right. If you are, if you actually want to do that to yourself, where you're following the U.S. men's national team that's closely this closely, which I wouldn't recommend. But if I you mean, are, that's what I was doing before Atlanta United. No, I. I <laughs> Hey, we've all been I know, through it. I know there are people out there. I speak from experience. And I feel really bad for them. But if you're that type of, if you're a Rob Ussery type of U.S. men's national team junkie, of course, our, uh, one of our editors at Dirty South Soccer, then Miles Robinson is one of the players you are most excited about, yeah. I think, uh, aside from the young, young guys that played with the U19s and U20s. I, do, I think we are going to see him, Eric, because we talked about this last week. I do, too. I'm just, that's my, that's my, that's my fear. That's a sad like, Really, you're going to say right it now. and then just go back on it 30 seconds later? No, no, no. I, no, I do think we'll see him. Oh, okay. I just also know U.S. men's national team, the, the coaching staff, have had really dumb moments. Yeah, and, and he's already had to. I mean, some argued he should have been there earlier. Yeah, he should exactly. have been over the summer. I think since you have, you're carrying four center backs, Matt Miazga, Aaron Long, uh, obviously Brooks we mentioned, and Rob, Robinson, I think you're just going to see a different center back pairing for each match. Yeah, that's or, what I think too. And I'm interested... Uh, I wonder if Miles Robinson, who's developed so well, basically because he's just been training with Atlanta United, but I wonder if him training against these quick technical players, the types of players you're going to see from Uruguay or Mexico that you maybe don't see week in and week out at MLS, but if you train with Atlanta United, you do see those players that you're training against them. I wonder if that'll help him against these types, because these are the types of players that U.S. men's national team have struggled to defend against. Super creative, pull your center backs out wide, you know, a lot of movement, tiki-taka type stuff. Miles Robinson has been defending that in training for yeah. two and a half years All now. Time. So I wonder if that helps him specifically going against the up against these types of sides. Just don't get hurt, man. Yeah, oh, God, I don't want I, I, I don't want to see him get hurt and I don't want to see Brad Gazan touch the field at all. I don't well, even know why whatever. Brad's in the squad other than he's maybe there for, to mentor. Yeah, he's never better in presence. There's no other there's no other reason. He's the oldest guy there by he's the only veteran goalkeeper and and only I think only veteran guy He's out like there. He's like one right? of the only veteran players in the whole. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I was trying to uh, think of everyone else that was in the pool, but uh, yeah, hopefully we're we're talking about good things uh, when it comes to Miles Robinson. Hopefully we're not talking about injury. Hopefully we're talking about absolute safety and come back home injury free. I mean, all I'll say is if and it's, the, I'm sorry, just to clarify, it's it's not Miazga that came, that win. It's I think Walker Zimmerman that win instead. Yes, the fourth center was, back. Yeah. Yeah, How yeah. much of a disaster has Miazga? Yeah, I, and been? I was thinking. I mean, since the transfer to Chelsea, I mean, he, thank you, Jenna, for saving me in the chat. And then I was like, wait a second, why would he be getting called in? But like, I'll say this too: like, if you're a U.S. Men's National League fan right now, like you guys were alluding to earlier, with you know the Robs of the world, and it's like, God, poor guy, just. Just not in the face, Mexico, Uruguay. That's all I can Just say. Just not in the face. Because, I mean, those teams are miles so, ahead. I have a, no pun intended. I have a quiz question for you guys Go. before we move on to this last story. Do you know who the greatest striker that ever lived is, Sam? I mean, isn't that a subjective question, or is this actually like No, he has a specific name. Who is mind. the greatest striker that ever lived, according mo- mostly to himself? Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Okay, someone else. You know this. Um... You Maradona? do. I, I know. I'm putting you. I'm putting you in it. He's he's a striker who referred to himself as the greatest striker that ever lived. Okay. He used to play for Arsenal. He's Danish. Oh, Nicholas Nicholas Bentner, the greatest Bentner. striker that ever lived. Wasn't he, was he linked with Atlanta or was it, that wasn't linked? Well, I mean, I've got was, some breaking news for oh, you. No. Actually, Eric does. I wrote it down on a piece of paper at the start of the show. Atlanta United is linked with the self-proclaimed greatest striker that ever lived, Nicholas Bentner. No, 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 no. 
please no. <laughs> it's true. It's up on it's up on DirtySouthSoccer.com, reported by Univision. I'd that be- tweet was from 2018. I was waiting for someone to tell him. <laughs> really? <laughs> you moron. Why is it why is it reported on our site? Oh, oh. Why wow. is it, look, why look, is it look, on our who, website? Look who even wrote it. Look who even wrote it. Why is it on our website? Look who wrote it. Oh, my God. So did someone play a trick in our Slack chat? Look who wrote it. I know. I see. I see. <laughs> Wait, so why did... Oh, my God. That's what I was talking about with the link. I didn't think you were actually going there. <sighs> why did... Wow. Why did Jackson... The Danish striker has been chat? linked to MLS expansion side. This is dated June 6th, 2016. Right, so yeah. Oh, 16? Oh, my gosh. I have a PM. major bone to pick with one of our... Eastern uh, Standard Time. One of my fellow Dirty this South This is writers. like the time when Josh forgot that the Open Cup game wasn't for another week. Well, you was, have been bamboozled, sir. I was tired. You have been Wait, bamboozled. Wait, so is this, is this a general trick? From, it's not real. It's not a trick. <laughs> Why, why? Okay, all right. We're why? gonna we're gonna deep dive into this right now because I know exactly I know the whole story and I don't know how you didn't catch on to this. Josh is like, uh, like so if you look at <laughs> Harris Kruskik's tweet uh, thing on the, on the Slack. Oh, I see. Bentner looking sharp as ever. His first well, you FCK told training me that session. When I, when I told you that like an hour ago, I wrote it down <laughs> and he said, "Oh, what could have been?" Eric was setting you up for the I'm fall. I'm so chief. pissed right now, Eric. You could have easily told me that that, that I. Anyways, but this is man. more. This is more fun. It is more yeah, fun. You're right. I'm not gonna more. lie. I saw that. I was like, I'm gonna let him roll with it. Well done. I'm gonna let him roll with it. Well done. Sir. I'm not gonna say a word. Well done. No, and now it's time for mean it's tweets. Brilliant. For Eric all, I'm, all I'm saying is, I did see this posted three hours ago in our Slack chat. But as Eric said, it you're was, not wrong about that. You did see it posted. So while I am stupid, uh, I did actually see the link. It just, it's just that I'm stupid. And look, you don't look. I, at, gotta, yeah, I give you credit, Eric. This is like the smartest thing you've ever done. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't, you don't, you don't look at the bylines or 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 the date it was published. I mix up home and away games. There we go. It even this is this out. is I got Eric. This is this is the best thing you've ever done. Man, I, I feel like I, I, I need am. To, I am legitimately like super embarrassed right now. <laughs> I feel like I need like, to do something. Do you want me like, to cut that part out? I'm, no, no, I'm, no. I feel no, like I, I need to do something stupid in I the don't. last few minutes of the podcast to like balance. I feel out. like anything I say from now on will be like, well, if we just get Nicholas Bentner in. <laughs> oh boy. Um. So mean tweets. Thank God. We yeah. asked uh, last week for mean tweets, and I got one. My mean tweet. This is from at uh, Bad Aska. It's it's Bad Aska. <laughs> Okay. Just how it, it would, you would spell like, it, I guess? Aska, I don't know. Like Badaska. 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 My mean tweet. Glad to hear Eric bring up John getting potentially berated by, <laughs> perpetually berated by J, uh, Jason Longshore. <laughs> it's like a Ren and Stippy dynamic. Enjoy the mean looks Jason is going to give you. <laughs> Mouse the South podcast. Oh, yeah. Josh B914 is wonderful. Oh, that's nice. Hashtag. I hope they weren't listening tonight. Blameless Eric. Oh. Well, uh, I don't know. Shout out to our friends at SDH. Man. We accept all mean tweets yeah. of any kind. I just in love any form. No profanity, please. Jason Longshore is one of the like most genuine and like nicest people I've met involved with this whole Atlanta. United of course. Up, so, but he does. He does. He does, he does get crap on John, John a little bit. Sometimes. I don't. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with he's a you. Little, he's a little bullish. Not disagreeing. I love it. I love the dynamic. I just think and then it's like a like a couple awkward seconds from John. I want to have a I want to have a running segment where, <laughs> Me too. where, where, where I want them to play along. I want them to fire back. I want them to make fun of us for something. They won't do it. They're way above us. Yeah, they are. Home Before us. Dark does it. Yeah, if they can do it, we can do Speaking it. Speaking of Home Before Dark, should we should we tease a little uh, something? We don't have anything week? official yet, but we're trying to uh, do something for the radio show next week uh, where the Cross Home Before Dark with... comes on uh, the radio show. So we'll see. We're yeah. going to try to make that happen. a great podcast. Uh, were there more mean tweets for you? or That was it. If you want to send mean tweets, I'm happy to read them at yeah. the end of every show. Mean tweets at Eric G. Quintana. Where can they send the mean tweets to you guys? Uh, you can send your nice tweets to me at, at JoshB914 and send your mean tweets to me at Eric G. Quintana. You can send uh, tweets to me to at Washed Up Radio Host. Kidding. You can send them to at Sam J. Franco. That's all one word. You can also send tweets to all of us at MOTS Podcast. Yeah. Follow the Instagram, follow the Facebook, uh, follow obviously Dirty South Soccer for all the latest news regarding Arsenal Strikers <sighs> coming to or not coming to Atlanta. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm so mad. I'm Nicholas so mad Bentner. at you. I'm, uh, Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube the channel. Uh, MOTS podcast is what you search for on YouTube. Subscribe. You'll get the notifications. All that good stuff. Josh, uh, your face is so red right I'm now. I'm super embarrassed. <laughs> that was a bad one. 
Like I consider myself a pretty dumb person overall, but I think about soccer. Like, like I know I have some knowledge, and you, you I don't see why anyone should believe astute, anything. I astute tactical analysis. <laughs> right. I mean, and then you drop something like between that. Between the egg on your face, between the thinking the Open Cup final was a week earlier than it was, and then this man, you, you've had a rough. This go one is way worse than that. I, I did. <laughs> that's true. I, I did. I did realize I was wrong uh, quickly uh, on that, but uh, I think this is way worse. This, this is, not is great. way, 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 way worse. I'm very happy with Eric for also, letting it roll. If you heard me mention, uh, look who wrote it to Josh, it's Jason Longshore, who hasn't been with Dirty South Soccer in at least three years <laughs> well, now. Look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a blogger. I don't pay attention to sources. I'm not an actual journalist. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hack, hack blogger podcaster. So. You can say that again. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us. Until next time, see you later, Atlanta. Peace.